Welcome. You're listening to Value Add with Lars Coburn, bringing conversations and reflections that add value to your life. Hey everyone, thanks for tuning in to this short podcast. Uh, I'm going to try and do one of these per month uh, where we discuss on the podcast uh, things that uh, are close to my heart and hopefully will add value to yours. Uh, Today, we're talking about humility. At that time, the disciples came to Jesus and asked, Who then is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven? And he called a little child and had the child stand among them. And he said, Truly I tell you, unless you become like this little child, you can never enter the kingdom of heaven. Therefore, whoever takes the lowly position of this child is the greatest in the kingdom of heaven. And whoever welcomes a child welcomes me. On one occasion, uh, an expert in the law stood up to test Jesus and he asked, What must I do to inherit eternal life? Then Jesus said, What is written in the law and how do you read it? So he answered, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your strength and with all your mind and love your neighbor as yourself. Oh, you have answered correctly, Jesus replied. Do this and you will live. But he wanted to justify himself and so he asked Jesus, Who then is my neighbor? In reply, Jesus said, A man was going down from Jerusalem to Jericho when he was attacked by robbers, and they stripped him of his clothes and left him half dead. A priest happened to be going down the same way, and when he saw the man, he passed by on the other side. And so too, a Levite, when he came to the place where the man was, he saw him and passed by on the other side. But a Samaritan, as he traveled, came to where the man was, and when he saw him, he took pity on him. And he went over and bandaged his wounds, pouring on oil and wine. And then he placed him on his own donkey and brought him to an inn and took care of him. The next day he took out two denarii and gave them to the innkeeper. Look after him, he said, and when I return I will reimburse you for any extra expense you may have. Which of these three do you think was a neighbor to the man who fell among robbers, Jesus asked. The expert in the law replied, the one who had mercy on him. Go and do likewise, Jesus told him. To some who were confident of their own righteousness and they looked down on everyone else, Jesus told this parable. Two men were going up to the temple to pray. One, a Pharisee, and the other, a tax collector. The Pharisee stood by himself and prayed, God, I thank you that I am not like other people, robbers, evildoers, adulterers, or even like this tax collector. I fast twice a week and give a tenth of all I get. But the tax collector stood at a distance. He would not even look up to heaven, but beat his breast and said, God, have mercy on me, a sinner. I tell you that this man, rather than the other, went home justified before God. For all those who exalt themselves will be humbled, and those who humble themselves will be 
exalted. All of you, clothe yourselves with humility towards one another because God opposes the proud but shows favor to the humble. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand that he may lift you up in due time. Cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. Do not judge or you too will be judged, for in the same way you judge others, you will be judged. And with the measure you use, it will be measured to you. Why do you look at the speck of sawdust in your brother's eye and pay no attention to the plank in your own eye? How can you say to your brother, let me take the speck out of your eye, when all the time you have a plank sticking out of your own eye? You hypocrite, first take the plank out of your own eye, then you will be able to see clearly to remove the speck from your brother's eye. Oh, what causes fights and quarrels among you? Don't they come from your desires that battle within you? You desire, but you do not have, so you kill. You covet, but you cannot get what you want, so you quarrel and fight. You do not have because you do not ask God. And when you ask, you do not receive because you ask with wrong motives that you may spend what you get on your pleasures. You adulterous people, don't you know that friendship with the world means enmity towards God? Therefore, anyone who chooses to be a friend of the world becomes an enemy of God. Or do you think that the scripture says without reason that he jealously longs for the spirit he has caused to dwell within us? But he gives us more grace. That is why scripture says, God opposes the proud, but shows favor to the humble. Submit yourselves then to God. Resist the devil and he will flee from you. Come near to God and he will come near to you. Wash your hands, you sinners. Purify your hearts, you double-minded. Grieve, mourn, and wail. Change your laughter to mourning and your joy to gloom. Humble yourselves before the Lord and he will lift you up. Brothers and sisters, do not slander one another. Anyone who speaks against a brother or sister or judges them speaks against the law and judges it. When you judge the law, you are not keeping it, but sitting in judgment on it. There is only one lawgiver and judge, the one who is able to save and destroy. But you, who are you to judge your neighbor? Now listen, you who say, today or tomorrow we will go and to this city or that city, uh, spend a year there and carry on business and make money? Why, you do not even know what will happen tomorrow. What is your life? You are a mist that appears for a little while and then vanishes. Instead, you ought to say, if it is the Lord's will, we will live and do this or that. As it is, you boast in your arrogant schemes and all such boasting is evil. If anyone then knows the good they ought to do and doesn't do it, it is sin for them. Now we ask you, brothers and sisters, to acknowledge those who work hard among you, who care for you in the Lord and who admonish you. Hold them in the highest regard in love because of their work. Live in peace with each other, and we urge you, brothers and sisters, warn those who are idle and disruptive, encourage the disheartened, Help the weak be patient with everyone. Make sure that nobody pays back wrong for wrong, but always strive to do what is good 
for each other and for everyone else. So we say, rejoice always, pray continually, give thanks in all circumstances, for this is God's will for you in Christ Jesus. Do not quench the spirit. Do not treat prophecies with contempt, but test them all. Hold on to what is good. Reject every kind of evil. May the God himself, the God of peace, sanctify you through and through. May your whole spirit, soul, and body be kept blameless at the coming of our Lord Jesus Christ. The one who calls you is faithful, and he will do it. The grace of the Lord Jesus Christ be with you. Amen. The reading of God's word. Thanks be to God. I selected these passages of scripture for today's shorter episode because I believe these scriptures speak to one thing, humility. And so I just want to take a few minutes to riff, to talk a little bit about humility and how it adds value to our life. I was in the car riding with my wife and living in Los Angeles, uh, the traffic is often very heavy and so when we're in bumper to bumper traffic we know we're going to be in for a long one and so the conversation began about uh, the work that I do with students merely just because uh, I couldn't think of anything better uh, to talk about and maybe uh, that's a problem because uh, I need to you know, vary the subject matter at times so that uh, my wife doesn't get tired of every crazy harebrained idea that I get. But regardless of that, um, you know, it just kind of turned to that. And as it began kind of uh, a normal way, you know, I might say, oh, it would be so different if I was working part-time at the church and teaching too. I mean, probably it would be a private school. And I mean, at least then I would be with students every day and making an actual difference in their life. And this is where the conversation took quite a nasty turn. As we, uh, you know, we're talking, my wife is a teacher, and so she um, has her teaching credential uh, and has taught in middle school and he's substituted in high school, uh, but teaches primarily elementary or right now she's teaching early transitional kinder. She's also a head volleyball coach at a very difficult low-income public school, and so she understands what this means to teach these kids and to have uh, them be there. And she responded to my rant by addressing my complaint about the attendance issues that I was having. And, uh, you know, I was talking about how they're not required to be there. And there are some days that I might wish, probably really bad theology here, that heaven included an attendance requirement. At least that would get the students to youth group on time, probably. But that's a really bad way to imagine things, right? And she pointed out that if I was teaching every day, even a Bible class at a private Christian school, this doesn't mean that the students will actually learn or appreciate what I do any more than the students that I work with now. She was simply giving me some practical real life perspective to keep my brainstorming grounded amidst the LA traffic, right? And we're both slightly irritated because this is taking a while. Uh, but what happened next was my least favorite of the arguments that I've ever had in the past few years with my wife. I countered every point by grumbling more and more about my current job. Uh, the argument ended with my wife saying, well then maybe you should just not do ministry. And the observation hurt so much because I know that this is my calling and my passion. I know this is where God wants me to be and what my healthy self lives for. 
But you see, my healthy self was not the one arguing, right? You know this about lawyers and everything like that. I was trying to win the argument. And I was so hell-bent that I was willing to submit even false evidence just to beat the other side. And the, what was worse is that the other side was my wife, who I deeply love and am com committed to and connected with. But that day, I allowed my pride to cause conflict and what really is a, is a disconnection, a time where we struggle to even have some of these conversations. Humility really is what I lacked in the car that day. Humility is, uh, is something that we need in our lives. And, and many Christian writers have said this. Um, Augustine, writing long, long ago, said, Should you ask me what is the first thing in religion? I should reply the first, second, and third thing therein is humility. Oh, it's, it's fantastic with the richness of some of this stuff that they write about humility. I mean, even T.S. Eliot, who writes, Humility is the most difficult of all virtues to achieve. Nothing dies harder than the desire to think well of oneself. We can go on. Um, Andrew Murray captures a lot of these things in his book, Humility, The Journey Towards Holiness. And in there, he, he says some great, powerful things. He says, um, when we realize that humility is something infinitely deeper than contrition and accept it as our participation in the life of Jesus, we will begin to learn that it is our true nobility and that to prove it in being servants of all is the highest fulfillment of our destiny as men created in the image of God. He, he's trying to get us to understand that humility is not just looking down upon ourselves, right? It's not just saying we don't matter, but it is so much deeper than that. It's a secret that is hard to even articulate. And that's why I think when Jesus speaks of humility in the Gospels, or when Paul speaks of humility, or when the Apostle James um, is writing, and he says to um, the brother of Jesus, you know, this, this pioneer of what it means to be a Christian is saying, you know what? God opposes the proud, but give grace to the humble. Uh, we need to humble ourselves before the Lord and he's going to lift us up. Um, I, I don't know uh, where to really go into this idea of humility other than to cite another passage of scripture that I didn't read. And that is the, the prayer or the hymn, the Christ hymn, in, um, in Philippians chapter 2. That in your relationships with one another, have the same mindset as that of Christ Jesus. And then Paul relays how Jesus was a humble person. And so humility is really setting aside yourself. And Jesus is inviting the disciples and us to set aside our, all of our control, our power, our status, our strength and independence and become dependent on God. As he says to them and as he places the child among them, uh, that we must become like little children who come with nothing to offer, nothing to trade, nothing to barter, no way to leverage, no bribe or coercion technique. Humility means we come to God and others with no agendas for our own betterment. And I don't know about you, but I think this is a hard thing. I think genuine humility is not really a status you receive, but a lifestyle you have to cultivate. 
And you know, at times as a youth worker, I get accolades all the time about my work, how important it is that it's with young people. But often they don't really know this person who's commenting on the, the life that I live. They don't really know what I do on the daily basis. They assume and project an air of awe that at times I, I feel like it's very disingenuous. But I don't know why this bothers me so much. In fact, I think why it bothers me is because I want that kind of um, high and mighty version of what I do, that, that, that projection of, of just so, such importance to be true. But I'm deeply aware about just how that's not the narrative. And I, I think that's maybe why we struggle with humility is because one might be considered humble because you're not wealthy or you're not famous or because maybe you don't um, have all of these trappings of power. But that does not always equate to actually being humble. In fact, most of the people I know who need to work on humility the most are some of the least well-known or networked people in my circles. And some of my heroes, some of the people that have tremendous influence, have written books, have shared on big stages, um, that they are actually incredibly humble. Humility then is something you don't just naturally do, but it's something you have to cultivate and grow inside you. And so as I think about the, the Good Samaritan story, the priest and the Levite knew a lot about mercy, but they weren't in the habit of practicing mercy. Otherwise, they probably wouldn't have passed by, right? But the Samaritan, he didn't have a robust theology or systematic theology or praxis of mercy, but he was in the habit of doing it, of practicing it in everyday moments. And so my question is, why do we, why are we so accustomed to false humility? Why are we so, why is it so rare to actually come across authentic humility. Well, I think one of the things is humility does not lead to prosperity, but humility leads to the cross. It is not the cross that is really to be celebrated, but it's the humility Jesus shows to come and live as we are and to further die. And so, as Thomas Aquinas puts it, if you're looking for an example of humility, look at the cross. Um, because we need an example of what this true humility looks like. And yet, I know so many Christians who do, who, who celebrate communion every week and spend time meditating on Scripture and think about Jesus and what He did on the cross. And yet, humility escapes them, escapes our grasp. And so I wonder, what does this mean for us? What is genuine humility really all about? Well, Jesus you know, sums up all of the Old Testament, the revelation of God into these words, that actually the man, the, the, the man who's trying to justify himself and, and it gets this, this Good Samaritan parable told to him, says, love the Lord your God with all your heart, soul, mind, and strength, and love your neighbor as yourself. And the golden rule f follows from the same teaching when Jesus says, do to others as you would have them do to you. And so this genuine humility comes from a place of health, of love of God and love of self. 
Jesus embodies this in the garden, I believe, the best. A centerpiece of his humility when he says, Father, if it is your will, let this cup of suffering and death on the behalf of others pass from me. A healthy love of self, he says here. Yet not what I will, setting aside that self, but what you will, a love of God. F.B. Meyer says, The only hope of a decreasing self is an increasing Christ. And that quote reminds me of one by Teresa of Avila that says, Humility must always be doing its work, like a bee making its honey in the hive. Without humility, all will be lost. And you know what? I, I think even Jonathan Edwards is right on here when he says, Nothing sets a person so much out of the devil's reach as humility. And so my invitation to us today is what Andrew Murray says. It is when the truth of the indwelling Christ takes the place it deserves in the experience of believers that the church will put on her beautiful garment and humility will be seen in her, in her teachers and members as the beauty of holiness. So may you be rooted in Christ, the indwelling, the mystery, Paul says, of Christ in you, as you look to Jesus and have in the same way as him in your relationships, that he did not consider equality with God something to be grasped and used for his own advantage, but he humbled himself and made himself obedient to God, obedient even to death, death on a cross. Therefore God exalted him to the highest place that at the name of Jesus every knee would bow and every tongue would confess that Jesus Christ is Lord to the glory of God the Father. So the invitation is to live humbly, to live out of a place of health and love for God and love for yourself so that you can embody this humility as Jesus did and pray, Father, not my will, but yours be done. Thanks for listening to this episode. Uh, as we continue, the next month's uh, episode uh, will be on gratitude, um, and that should be coming out at the end of March. Uh, thanks so much again uh, for tuning in to this episode of the podcast, and stay tuned for more great conversations coming up in March uh, with youth ministers and ministry friends of mine as we explore uh, the implications and values uh, for the church. Thanks for tuning in to Value Add. For more great conversations and insights, visit valueaddconversations.com.